Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's the Pure Opelka Podcast. Yes, I've been busy. I've been doing a lot of radio in Florida and Iowa, so I'm back, though. And we have a fresh podcast for you today, February 9th, National Pizza Day or Lox and Bagels Day. So load up on your carbs. Just enjoy some delicious food. Why not? You deserve it. A quick look at history before we go into what happened in the last couple of days here. In 1825, the House of Representatives picked the president. Yeah, nobody got enough Electoral College votes, so the president was chosen by the House of Representatives voting. John Quincy Adams became the president, even though he lost the popular vote. Isn't that interesting how that works out? On this date in 1994, Nelson Mandela became the first black president of South Africa. What a remarkable life he had. And when he was released from prison where he had been held for so long, Mandela, elected president, could have exacted revenge. He chose not to. I wonder if I would have the same kind of control. Anyway, a lot of stuff happening in the last 24, 48 hours. And as I said, we'll try and cover some of it. Some of it is a uh, reaction to the State of the Union address, which I thought Joe Biden just barely got through it. Uh, the lies were insane. And they're, they keep piling on. If, if I stand back and look at him, you can see all the lies. He keeps repeating this one lie that he thinks, I think he thinks this sounds good. This was Joey talking about how, you know, taxes aren't fair and and he's going to make sure nobody making under $400,000 has to pay a penny more in taxes. As long as I'm president, nobody earning less than $400,000 will pay an additional penny in taxes. Nobody, not one penny. Well, you know, with the IRS going after waiters and waitresses, servers who get taxes, and now these 87,000 IRS Agents about to be unleashed. I don't know if that's an accurate statement, sir. I'm just saying he had uh, 15 lies that he told in the State of the Union, according to the numbers uh, by the Federalists. They kept track of everything. They were fact checking. And uh, Tristan Justice and Jordan Boyd over at the Federalists had a great piece of 15 whoppers told by Joey during the State of the Union address. They don't call him Joey. Of course, they're more formal. Uh, the one that made me laugh was uh, Chuck Schumer's the minority leader. <laughs> Chuck Sh- he called Chuck Schumer the minority leader. He's the majority leader. He claims he created more jobs in two years than any other president, 12 million jobs, and uh, tried to give credit to some of the people in the room. He didn't really create jobs. you got to remember COVID killed jobs, and and that claim is kind of untrue because the government killed a bunch of jobs And then we ended the pandemic, and guess what? The jobs came back because people had to go to work because the government had to stop paying them. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Inflation coming down is a lie. Democracy faced the greatest threat since the Civil War on January 6th. And yet now we know that the uh, Democrats chose not to engage all of the law enforcement that was at their disposal on January 6th. Even NBC News is telling people that story. Well, it's not a story. It's the truth. But even NBC News had the ability to, to tell the, uh, the world that the truth about January 6th was, you know, there was plenty, plenty of police power available. You bobos just chose not to engage it. Yeah, it was, it was on NBC News, in case you missed it, because... We don't expect you to watch NBC News. You know, you don't want to get propaganda thrown at you all day long. But this is the actual report from NBC. It's not edited. The January 6th committee's final report was more than 800 pages. But some material did not make the cut, including much of its findings on the failures of federal law enforcement leading up to the attack. The chief investigator of the January 6th committee says the government could have prevented it. Law enforcement had a a very direct role in contributing to sort of the failures, the security failures that led to the violence. Yeah, they had all this power available. Nancy Pelosi 
had it from Donald Trump. Donald Trump signed the paper. Cash Patel has the receipts on it. Offered all these troops, thousands of National Guard's troops could have been there protecting the Capitol. Pelosi chose not to accept it. Local authorities turned it down too. And no mention of that in the uh, 800-page report on January 6th. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Joey also said he's responsible for the largest deficit cut in U.S. history. Uh, he claims by more than $1.7 trillion during his first two years in office. Federal spending under Biden has actually gone up over $10 trillion since his first month in office. That's more than any other president spent in his first two years in history. The lie about Social Security is the one that really is getting a lot of Republicans really frosted, and they should be frosted, because it was one proposal from one Republican that has been told that proposal ain't going anywhere. It's going to sit in a pocket and die. It's in Mitch McConnell's pocket. It's probably all crumpled up or it's all nasty. It's probably got lunch stains on it. But Biden kept going there, not only at the State of the Union, but yesterday when he was speechifying. Here's the State of the Union comment. Some of my Republican friends want to take the economy hostage. I get it. Unless I agree to their economic plans. All of you at home should know what those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. Let me give you, anybody who doubts it, contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see. I, I love the fact that there was actual yelling and calling him out for being a liar. Sounded like uh, the British Parliament stuff that goes on. When you lie like that, you deserve to be called a liar. Marjorie Taylor Greene, who I don't always a- appreciate or support. Marjorie Taylor Greene could be heard yelling, you're the liar in chief, you're a liar. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. I mean- liar in chief, I love it. She also brought a balloon into the house to kind of have some fun with Joe. But that story just keeps getting repeated. And it's not true. So what are the Democrats saying? Well, they can't debunk it because it is patently false to say that the GOP wants to kill Social Security, wants to kill Medicare. So what do they do? They go after the person who was talking about it, the person who was booing, the person who was calling Joe Biden a liar. And in this case, it would be Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah, she uh, she got called out by a guy who knows something about uh, white trash. Talking about James Carville, he was on MSNBC with uh, Ari Melber talking about this. Uh, absolutely hilarious to me. You know, you don't plan for these things. Uh, you've done a lot of them. You've advised a lot of candidates and presidents. Um, I guess if you had your pick, you'd say maybe better to not have someone screaming lie or maybe just do the darn thing. But it also seemed to expose exactly what the president's up against. Was that a bad moment for Republicans? Well, uh, you know, I told people I have a clue of a PhD in white trashology and you saw real white trash on display. Hmm. So, if you didn't understand the mumble mouth, James Carville, he said, I have a criminal PhD in white trashology and you saw real white trash on display. Now he's going to make a personal attack on top of that general attack. It's a little, little off display. Hmm. And let me say something about Congressman Marjorie Taylor Brink. She dresses like white trash. She really needs a fashion consultant. Can I recommend George Santos? He, he could do a good job of, of, dressing up where she doesn't announce her white trash them by her, her own well, clothes. Well, I'll tell you, James, you know, her thing was saying, oh, the outfit was supposed to do the spy balloon, the antics. Uh, I wonder what you think on policy where the president basically is, this is what he has to deal with. And for folks who don't follow it every day but watch the State of the Union, it's kind of a reminder of, hey, uh, you reach across the aisle and this is what you get sometimes. Oh, so now it's uh, it's the fault of the Republicans 
because Joey's being such a, a reach across the aisle guy. Never mind that Carville is just saying awful things and making all kinds of slurs and slams, and he is wearing some kind of kooky windbreaker for Mardi Gras and a goofy hat. You want to talk about your attire, your dress. He, he did totally trash the GOP, not just Marjorie Taylor Greene. The level of white trashdom in the Republican Party is, is just staggering. To see just how trashy these people are, how rude they are, how ill-mannered they are, you don't get to see this very often at this level. So you don't get to see this very often at this level. Huh. I wonder if he remembers, he remembers Joe Biden yelling at people on the campaign trail. I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. Yeah, he told the guy, I think I have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. He also told someone they were full of ass as well. You're full of shit. Yeah. Full of shit. Yeah, Joe, you said that. That's, that's the president right there. I wonder... I wonder if James Carville even remembers all this stuff. It is really frustrating because the mainstream media has dominance. I know Fox is great, but you've got so many other channels out there on the left that so much stuff is never going to be heard. That's why we keep doing the podcast, I guess. It's kind of what we're trying to do. Uh, there was also something interesting yesterday with Joe, and that was the interview with Judy Woodruff. Now, the channel that airs the Super Bowl typically gets an interview with the sitting president. Fox is airing the Super Bowl this weekend, and it would be expected that they would get in a sit-down interview with the sitting president. Fox has asked, as of the recording of this podcast on Thursday, there has not been a response and acceptance. But meanwhile, Joey went over to PBS to sit with Judy Woodruff. PBS gets millions and millions of your tax dollars and my tax dollars. He's not going to get a tough interview at PBS. Some of Judy Woodruff's questions were just softballs. China today mm. is saying uh, they feel smeared, that you smeared them and their leader in your remarks last night. It, have relations now between the U.S. and China taken a big hit? Before he answers, Joe had seven sentences about China. Barely said anything about China. Never mentioned the balloon. This is the guy who, for the last 15 years, has been walking around. China's not bad folks, folks. They're our friends. We love China. Rising China's a good thing. What did Joe say about our relations with China? hit no frankly. no how do you know i know i talked to him you've talked to so xi, to xi jinping before i and our, our team talks to their people during this and yeah, since? after this, i haven't talked to him during this oh i haven't talked to him during this but you know we talk all the time he looked terrible too he did not look good this was all about softball questions, setting up Joe to try and diffuse the controversy around the documents, the classified documents that were found in several different locations. Biden's home, Biden's office, God knows where, what they found at the beach house, the handwritten notes. I made voluntarily, no one's had to threaten to do anything. Voluntarily open every single aperture I have with the house, offices, everything for them to come Wait, you opened every single aperture? <laughs> what? I'm sorry, I'm a 12-year-old in my brain. Continue, Joey. I made voluntarily, no one's had to threaten to do anything. Voluntarily opened every single aperture I have with the house, offices, everything, for them to come and look and spend hours searching my home, invited them. Nobody, and so, and the best of my knowledge, the kinds of things they picked up were things that from... 1974 and stray papers there may be something else i don't know there's a lot of things you don't know but to try and make this a uh, a non-story is really an insult to the american people 
You're the guy who said it was it was just totally wrong if somebody had classified documents in their home when Donald Trump was the focus of the story. But now you are. And it's like, oh, there's just some papers from 1974. Not a big stinking deal, right? No, it's not a big deal. Judy Woodruff went back to the State of the Union with Joe and was talking about, you know, the state of the politics here. Most Americans are of the view that uh, um, we've got this has gotten too mean. It's gotten too, uh, too uh, personal, gotten too divisive. Um, really? I wonder who started that. I wonder who started that by calling Donald Trump all kinds of names when he was trying to become the president and then successfully did. And then he had to fend off attacks constantly by your people. Made up stories. The Russia collusion stories. All the other stories are Russian hookers peeing on the bed in Moscow. All of that was made up. Too personal, too mean, too divisive. Hmm. And let's even go back to last fall. The weird speech in Philadelphia with the red background that looked like he was speaking from the gates of hell. Who is too divisive? He puts it divisive. We say divisive. Who is it, Mr. Biden, Mr. President? It's amazing to me. Absolutely amazing to me. But he's given a free pass everywhere he goes. Even when faced with the reality of the facts that the American people don't believe we're going the right direction. Two-thirds of the American people are living paycheck to paycheck. And more than half of the people who make $100,000 a year are living paycheck to paycheck. Biden's blaming everything on the news, saying that uh, just all we get are bad news. Any, are you reporting any positive news? I'm not, I'm not meaning you personally, right. editorially. Right. So you turn on the television and everything's down. And so people understand we're down. Uh, the reason they're reporting everything's down because everything's down. Especially your poll numbers, sir. That's amazing to me. And he got no pushback from Judy Woodruff. Nothing. Not a thing. And uh, he rejects the idea that there was a dereliction of duty as regards to the Chinese spy balloon. I think that... Uh, um the idea that there was a dereliction of duties, I think, is a, is bizarre, a bizarre notion. China knows exactly that what the deal is with us. See, I do think China knows exactly what the deal is with us because they made a deal with you and Hunter. They know exactly what the deal is. It's amazing. He's saying the quiet part out loud. At least I think he is. Just astounding. These people have no shame. Uh, and a matter of fact, uh, Joe's uh, sidekick, Kamala, was on uh, with CBS, with Gail King, Oprah's pal, her special friend, and was talking to Kamala about uh, letting the Chinese spy balloon go over the whole country. You got to hear this and you got to hang out through the very all the way to the end because the end is the money quote from Kamala. We know the balloon was shot down, but your, your administration is still getting a lot of pushback on why you didn't shoot it down earlier when it was on the West Coast before it traveled all across the country, picking up who knows what. In hindsight, do you all think, well, maybe we should have taken action a little earlier? Are you pleased with how you handled it? I think that the president, without any question, and I spend a lot of time with him in the Oval Office when he sits behind that resolute desk making decisions about what is in the best interest of the American people. And I wish people could see what I see, because he always has the well-being and the safety of the American people first and foremost in his mind. We've been clear about policy as it, term as it relates to China. First of all, when there's a violation of our sovereignty, such as the president described last night, Took the balloon down. Done. Took the balloon down. Done. Uh, the balloon came across the Aleutian Islands. 
into Alaska and then down through Canada and then in through Montana, but for the journalists in Montana who actually saw it, made note of it, took pictures of it, we might have never heard about it. Took the balloon down. Done. Kamala continued weaving lies on GMA. The president did not make a specific reference last night to that Chinese spy balloon. Can the confrontation with China be contained? You know, the president met with... Uh, Xi Jinping in in Bali, and then actually weeks later, I had a brief um, meeting with him in Bangkok. We have been very clear uh, with directly with the Chinese leaders and with our own um, allies and partners around the world. We invite competition with China, but we do not seek conflict. We do not seek confrontation. What the president did most recently in terms of that balloon um, is consistent with our perspective and our commitment, which is we are prepared to. to to compete, but at the same time, if there's any violation of our sovereignty, we're going to act. And that's what the... Uh, no, you're not going to act. You waited until the balloon went over the entire country. The contiguous 48, pretty much. And we still don't know. There's a briefing going on today. A briefing going on today with the uh, Gang of Eight and eventually with the entire Congress from uh, our security agencies that will talk to us. But... Why wasn't it shot down over the Aleutian Islands, over Alaska, over Montana? Should have been the first thing that happened. While we're on Biden, I have to ask, uh, last week we talked briefly about the fact that Joey had taken out a quarter of a million dollar line of credit on the beach house in Rehoboth at the end of the year. Why? Is it to help Hunter? Why would you do that? Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, cringe, was asked about it on uh, Air Force One with the uh, media on board. You know, they send a gaggle, just a few members of the media. And somebody dared to ask. A random one, but um, the president took out about a $250,000 line of credit on his house in Rehoboth late last year. Can you say what that was for or whether it was meant for legal fees? Yeah, I saw reports on that. I would just refer you to the White House Counsel's Office. So, no, it has nothing to do with the law, but we want you to talk to the White House Counsel's Office. They were flying to a, an event where Joe was pushing unions because he's, he's wanting everybody to join a union. Everybody. Even if it's not really necessary. There are some unions I think are necessary and a lot that are unnecessary. Do you need to join a union to make a cup of coffee? Joe thinks you do. But he, um, he had a little brain fart when he was talking about what, what he was calling about the junk fees. They want junk fees. That was maybe the only thing all of America could agree upon, that we need to get rid of all the damn junk fees that are slapped on all of our bills. And maybe the government could look at all of the cell phone bills and start pulling out some of the garbage fees that we pay every month on our phone bills and our cell phone bills. That ultimately are taxes. But Joe couldn't remember it was junk fees. He thought it was something different. So I'm calling on Congress to pass a junk-free prevention act. Oh, junk-free. We're going to be junk-free. What do you call 1-800-GOT-JUNK or something? Is that what the government's going to take over? The other story that isn't getting enough attention, even though it's getting some, was the story of the hearings that are happening in the House as the Oversight Committee was bringing in some of the former Twitter officials, some of the former FBI officials, and, you know, they just go from one to the other. They are working at Twitter, then suddenly they have a gig at the FBI, then they're at the FBI, and they have a gig at Twitter. And uh, Jim Comer and Jim Jordan and a few others were just grilling these people like a cheese sandwich. And I, for one, had popcorn and was just lapping it all up. And so I'm happy this is here happening. Very happy this is happening. Comer was talking to the FBI official, Twitter counsel. His Twitter counsel now used to be in the FBI. If he had talked to the FBI about Hunter's laptop, this guy's got some kind of a brain problem he can't remember. 
Mr. Baker, you said you didn't talk with the FBI that day. Did you talk to the FBI about the Hunter Biden laptop story prior to then or after that day? I, uh, I correct myself. That's Jim Jordan. I'm trying to make sure I can answer this question consistent with the restrictions that I talked about in my opening Simple statement. question. Did you yeah. talk to the FBI about the Hunter Biden story? I do. To the best of my recollection, I did not talk to the FBI about the Hunter Biden story uh, before that day. Did you talk to him after it? You said your, your, don't your, response is real, your response is real specific to the chairman. You said, I did not talk to the FBI about the Hunter Biden laptop story that day. I assume that day is October 14th. I want to know if you talked to him on the 13th or before, or if you talked to him on the 15th and after. I don't recall speaking to the FBI sitting here today. I don't recall speaking to the FBI at all about the Hunter Biden matter. Well, then why did you, you answer it the way you did? I beg your pardon? Uh, I yield back to it's frustrating with these people because this guy said, I don't recall speaking to the FBI. They may have exchanged emails with the FBI. Maybe. Possibly. Very interesting. James Comer, the other Jim on this committee, the oversight committee, was uh, squeezing the former Twitter executives about the laptop story. Mr. Roth, Ms. Gaddy, and Mr. Baker. It appears to me that you, you failed at your jobs. You were entrusted with the highest level of power at Twitter, but when you were faced with the New York Post story, instead of allowing people to judge the information for themselves, you rushed to find a reason why the American people shouldn't see it. In a matter of hours, you were deciding on the truth of a story that spans years and dozens of complex international transactions. You did this because you were terrified of Joe Biden not winning the election in, in 2020. That's what it appeared. I can assure you this committee will succeed in holding the Bidens accountable. I hope so. I hope that's the case, sir. I hope this committee will, in fact, succeed in holding the Bidens accountable because that's the only way government gets confidence back from the American people. The American people have lost complete confidence in the government because of this. Just days before an election, the story of the laptop, which the FBI had the laptop since uh, late 2019. John Paul MacIsaac called the FBI and said, hey, you, got, you guys got to come get this stuff. There's dangerous stuff here. There's important things here. They came and took the laptop, they took the hard drives, they had it all in December of 2019. And nothing was done. I'm sure they went through it. They probably had teams of people combing through it going, oh my God, look at this. And do you think these documents mean anything? Do you think Hunter here snorting coke off of Russian hooker's butt means anything? So when it came out, when the, when the story was about to break, it was all hands on deck. We got to stop this. And they colluded. I'm going to use that term intentionally. Colluded. Did the DNC. Did the Biden team. They colluded with Twitter. And their friends at the FBI colluded with Twitter and Facebook and YouTube to shut down the story. Because it would have forced Biden to address it. And if he didn't address it, it most definitely would have changed the election. We know the numbers. The people polled have said, of course we wouldn't have voted for this guy had we known that his son was in bed with the people in Ukraine and China and Russia. And he flew on Air Force Two. And likely these deals were made. And there were more than a dozen meetings with Hunter's clients that Joe was involved with, even though he told everybody he had no idea what was going on. It was fun to watch the left kind of freak out during this uh, this hearing yesterday. The left was kind of losing their mind, uh, especially AOC. Um, she, she was funny yesterday. She got uh, really tense and upset. But she also appears to admit that um, there's some truth behind the Hunter Biden laptop story. But instead, we're talking about Hunter Biden's half-fake laptop story. Um, half fake. So that means it's half true. Which half? Can you tell us? I should give you more context with her full flipping out here. Occurred a Washington Post article now warning about Hunter Biden laptop disinformation, the guy who leaked it. 
here's the deal. Before I even get into my questions, I think that the, the story here with the, New York, uh, with the Washington Post reporting is that what they're saying right here, when the New York Post first reported in October 2020 that it had obtained contents of a laptop computer allegedly owned by Joe Biden's son Hunter, there was an immediate roadblock faced by other news outlets that hoped to corroborate reporting, as many did. The newspaper wasn't sharing what it obtained. New York Post had this alleged information and was trying to publish it without any corroboration, without any backup information. They were trying to publish it to Twitter. Twitter did not let them and now they were upset. Well, the FBI had all the information 10 months prior to that. All anybody needed to do was get hold of the FBI. That's all you had to do. It's not that difficult. But everybody knew this was crazy. Crazy. I got to play you more, Jim Jordan, because Jim Jordan was just absolutely incredible yesterday. More of Jordan from the the oversight committee hearing with the Twitter weasels. If it didn't violate your policies and they didn't tell you it was fake, didn't tell you it was hacked, why'd you take it down? The company made a decision that found that it did violate the policy. It wasn't my personal judgment at the time that it did. I think you guys wanted to take it down. I think you guys got played by the FBI. So you got the government saying your terms of service, which don't have to comply with the First Amendment, but the government saying we don't think these accounts comply with your terms of service. Please take them down. You see a problem there, Mr. Mr. Roth? Mr. Chairman, I'm seeing a flashing red light. I'm happy to answer the question. So he sees the flashing red light signaling that Jim Jordan's time is up. He's trying to get out of answering it. I'm happy to answer this question. But he dodges it again and again and again. Yul Roth, one of the biggest weasels in this story. I could go on for hours on this. But I also want to get to the story that broke yesterday that I think is really important. And that is a a huge claim that the... um, the explosion, the bombing of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was this administration's doing. I want you to think about that. The Nord Stream pipeline, the explosion, that's a Russian pipeline that feeds Europe and, uh, you know, it was one of Putin's tools to kind of choke Europe, choke the Germans, choke the Brits, choke everybody, cut them off from uh, their energy needs. And now Seymour Hersh, a very respected journalist, he said he's had probably five great scoops and one screw up, but everybody remembers his screw up. But this one appears to be pretty strong. And the allegation is so strong that the White House immediately sent out a military notice claiming, nope, we didn't have anything to do with that. So the Nord Stream 2 pipeline gets exploded. And we uh, we're saying, nope, we didn't have anything to do with that. But if you go back to January of last year, just over a year ago, Russia was getting ready to attack Ukraine. Russia was about to go in and attack Ukraine. And we sent out Ned Price, spokesman Ned Price, to uh, to have a few words with the media on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. I want to be very clear. Uh, If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. We want to be very clear about that. Interesting language. Very interesting. The choice of words, very interesting. Well, uh, one of Price's colleagues, also part of the administration, Victoria Newland, the very next day in January of 2022 just over a year ago, went out and said something really similar to the media. I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. Ah, so Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. So wait a minute, let's go back to Ned Price there. I want to be very clear. Uh, If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. It's the exact wording, isn't it? Well, one extra word. I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. And how, do you, how can you say that for sure? Where does your confidence come from on that? 
I'm not going to get into the specifics here today, but we will work with Germany to ensure that the pipeline does not move forward. Mm, so we'll work with Germany. Maybe we need access. Just a, a few weeks ago in a Senate hearing at the end of last year, Victoria Newland, same lady who said that the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, if Russia invades Ukraine, it'll be uh, ceasing to exist. It won't move forward, whatever she wants to say. She said this. I am, and I think the administration is very gratified to know that Nord Stream 2 is now, as you like to say, a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea. So we're happy that it's a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea. I wonder if our fingerprints are on this. See, I think this is really important stuff. And I think we need to have answers on it. Don't know if we're ever going to get them. But it's nice to ask, isn't it? And we should ask every damn day, every hour. All right, I, I, I've got to get to something here. Um, we, we have our, our friend Jim Stovall with his weekly Winner's Wisdom visit with us. And I want to ask Jim a question because Jim's a blind guy. And uh, I, haven't, I haven't played this for him, but I want to ask him, as a blind guy, can he sniff out a deep fake? You know what a deep fake is, right? Deep fakes are completely fake videos. They use the image of the person and they use the person's voice that a computer has generated a fake video. Has nothing to do with anything the person ever said. And uh, I, I think they're getting so good that we have to be very worried about deep fakes getting into our world and, um, and being considered real. It's a scary bit of technology, but the deep fakes are out there. And the one of Joe Biden talking about how he would feel about uh, transgender women or transgender men if you're not sure that it's fake you might be convinced that this could have been real i'll give you a little sample and then we'll get jim uh, jim stovall in here and ask him as a blind guy can you tell this is fake you will never be a real woman you have no womb you have no ovaries you have no eggs you're a homosexual man twisted by drugs and surgery into a crude mockery of nature's perfection now that that's kind of really sounding like Joe Biden. It looks like him. The video makes it look like Joe Biden said that. Can a blind guy tell a deep fake? We'll ask Jim Stovall just around the corner. It's Mike Opelka with you on a Thursday on the Pure Opelka podcast. I've been waiting to talk to Jim Stovall. I cannot wait for our discussion about the Winner's Wisdom column this week. If you don't know who Jim is, do your homework. Do it now. Go to jimstovall.com. Learn about my friend. He is an author a speaker, he's an entrepreneur, he's a philanthropist, he's the man behind the narrative television network that allows blind people to appreciate movies and TV. And as we talk about the fact that Jim is a, a blind man who is helping his community, uh, an idea came to mind. Jim, before we get into the Winner's Wisdom column, can I ask you what I guess can only be called a blind guy question? Sure, I, I go right ahead. All right. Um, the um, the technology known as deep fake, something mm -hmm. that creates what appears to be a realistic video with realistic audio, but has no connection to reality, is getting better and better. And if I watch a video of a deep fake, I am often fooled thinking, oh, my God, how did that person ever say that and think they could get away with it? And it never happened. But I'm thinking that your ears are probably tuned better than just about anyone else's ears because you have to rely on them. Do you think you could detect a deep fake video based on listening? You know, possibly. I, I, I think there's a, uh, you know, a, a exercise in discernment and context that people um, don't utilize enough. And, you know, and I, as a blind person, I... I make my decisions on the world based on four senses instead of five, and hopefully I use them more and better than other people do. But, you know, I've heard it my whole life. People say, I'll believe it when I see it. But 
you know, when you talk to police or investigators, the least reliable evidence in a, in, a, in a case, in a criminal case, is often the eyewitness, because they don't know what they saw. You know, they have three people and five reports. I mean, it's just people can't figure out what they saw. Nobody knows what they saw. And in so many cases, we assume we saw what we meant to see. And, uh, you know, I remember that famous video, you can Google it online, about the basketball game. And, you know, they were supposed to count the, 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 the players or the passes or whatever it was. And right in the middle of this, a, a guy in a gorilla suit walks right in the middle of the court and nobody sees it. <laughs> Right there in plain sight, and and so it's 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 uh, you know, and then the thing was out uh, a couple of years ago about uh, you know this dress is you know is is that a green dress or a blue dress or an orange dress? I don't remember what it was, but I remember my team sitting around our conference table and somebody brought it up, and they actually pulled it up on their phone, and one person is looking right at it saying it's this color, and the next person is telling me it's that color. So I. You know, I, I think more than ever, when we look at the media, when we look at campaigns, when we look at advertising and, you know, true true news, fake news, whatever it may be, we need to use discernment. Who's saying this? Why are they saying this? Is this in their character? Uh, who is saying they said that? You know, I years ago, I, I get a lot of fan mail from readers around the world that read my books or watch the movies, and I'll often forward those to my publishers or the movie studios. And before I do, the, the, my staff member that uh, I'm dictating to will say, you know, hey, they got a typo here. I'll fix it before we forward their email. And I said, hold it. I, I don't type. I don't do email. I don't do anything. It's all conversation to me. I said, hold it. You're telling me you can change their email and I can forward it. Yeah. So someone could say, I'm in favor of this and I love Mike Opelka, and I could change it and say, I hate the guy and I never listen to him. And they said, yeah, you can do that and forward it, just like it came from them. And I thought, how does anybody ever trust this? How does anybody ever trust this? And, you know, and then I see people, you know, take my signature off a letter or uh, the signature we have, and my team will put it on a document or a contract, and we send it off. And that's supposed to be uh, a sign that we have totally agreed, and it's coming from me, and, and, it, and it clearly doesn't, you know. I remember uh, last week... My wife was trying to fix something on my father's cell phone, and and uh, and uh, you know, so she's talking to them on behalf of my dad, and she comes in and says, "Hey, um, the, the cell company has to talk to your dad to get so for the next one minute, you're your dad giving me permission to handle this." So I said, "Hello, this is Mr. Stovall, and uh, you know, uh, I appreciate you letting Crystal handle this for me." And all of a sudden. I, I could have been any, I could have been Karl Marx, Groucho Marx, or Michael Pelka. It may, and, and but they take this as some kind of verification. So I think as the technology does all these things, I think we need to be more and more careful. Uh, does this make sense? I mean, just because you're seeing it, you don't believe it. Just because you hear it, just because you read it, you know, there needs to be a context there. Yeah, context is so important, and I encourage everybody to. Keep in mind what Jim said. Your your spidey senses, your instincts will help you with your discernment. And if something doesn't make sense, it probably isn't true. So I want to play for you something, Jim, just real briefly. This is a deep fake. I'll tell you right off the bat, it's a deep fake. But it totally took me by surprise. I double clutched on this one. And I said, hold on a second. Did Joe Biden really say this about transgender people? The video is perfect, and the audio to me, I, I, I had very, very hard time hearing that it was not Joe Biden, but maybe you can tell. Listen here. You will never be a real woman. You have no womb, you have no ovaries, you have no eggs. You're a homosexual man twisted by drugs and surgery into a crude mockery of nature's perfection. Now, that one sentence, that's like 11 seconds of what sounds like and looks like Joe Biden. And I will tell you, I had a difficult time. Do your ears tell you anything differently? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I was listening, obviously, for the... Uh, you know, for the fallacy in the middle of that. But, yeah, I mean, well, fr frankly, the president is not that smooth or, or that well-spoken as, as he was there. But, you know, I, 
you know, if someone said, well, here's the president's position, I would have to say, okay, that is not the president's position. He, he has t- stated so many times categorically in the past what his position is, and this president has the habit and the ability to say one thing and mean another and then be confused about the whole thing. So, uh, you know, I I just have a tendency to not take anything he says uh, you know, it, it's a matter of context. I mean, it, it, it's more like the body of work. What what has he done over the years that has brought him to this point? Um, it, you know, it, it's like someone I've known for years, people I've worked with for 25 years, or, or, or my wife, Crystal, or anything. You know, the, if, if I believe they are saying something that is the total antith- antithesis of what I know them to be and believe, I'll stop and say, can you say that again? Or what? And they may have been talking about something completely different. And because I know they wouldn't say that, you know, and uh, it, it's like, um, you know, if you took uh, my, my 92-year-old father and if somebody said, uh, uh, you know, hey, we have video of your father out shoplifting at the mall yesterday, I would say, no, you don't. No, no, you, you don't. You don't. I don't. Well, well, you don't know what happened. I, I don't need to know. I don't need to know anything. I, you know, that didn't happen. Now, you may think you did. You know, you may have video of somebody who looks like my father. You may, but no, that that did not happen in the world that we live in. No, it didn't happen. So, you know, context and background and motives, uh, you know, they all have a tendency to play into this, and we've got to be more careful than we've ever been before. That is a key statement. We have to be more careful than we ever have been before, especially as we now enter a campaign season that's going to be unlike any other. And this technology is only going to get better over the next 18 months. It will improve by at least 100 percent. So be mindful of what messages are being sent to you and trust your instincts, trust your experience and make sure you source it and check context as well. All right, Jim, thank you for that. Uh, I loved hearing your take on it and you're spot on on understanding that couldn't have been Biden because the rate of utterance is different and the smoothness is different and it doesn't make sense. Uh, Let's talk about this week's column, Givers and Takers. I love to call myself a taker, but I refer to a taker of your advice, Jim Stovall. Well, thank you. But what we're talking about here is, I mean, there's so many ways, you know, there are tall people, there are short people, there are energetic people, there are lazy people. There's all kinds of ways we separate each other, Republicans and Democrats, whatever the case may be. But one of the most profound ways we can separate uh, human beings into categories are givers and takers. And, you know, we, we all know those people that when we're around them, we are energized. Just spending time with them makes us feel better, makes us feel stronger. You know, the time flies by. I can't believe it's been two hours. I can't wait until I see this person again. Um, You know, every time they call, it's an opportunity. It's exciting. It's something. And then there are people that every time they call, it's what do you want now or what are you complaining about or what, you know, and it's just they, they make the whole world slow down. They pull you down. They affect you, and there are people that do that to us. And and what I'm encouraging people to do is be aware there are people like that, and you, you've got to budget your time with them. I'm in the middle of writing two books right now, which should never be done, but uh, due to some deadlines and the way the research is coming in, I'm going back and forth between these two books uh, in a total literary bipolar episode of my own. But what happens, I mean, there are there are certain people that right now, you know, they may call or email, say, hey, let's get together. And, I mean, I can already feel the, the temperature and the energy going down, and they want something. And, I, you know, I say, hey, I'm in the middle of a deadline here. Um, can, can I get back to you at the end of next week? Because, you know, it just, there are people like that. I, in the Harry Potter series, she did a marvelous job creating these characters. I believe they're called Dementors. And they come into the room and they suck the light out and the energy. I mean, it gets darker because this person walked into the room. And there are people that really do that in our world in a figurative sense. I mean, they just pull everything down. And we've got to make sure we 
are aware of that. And and I'm not saying you cut these people out of your life. Uh, some of them are longtime friends, family, whatever they may be. But you just got to be aware that uh, hey, when I'm around Uncle Charlie or my high school friend Fred. Uh, I got to be careful with my attitude here because it affects us. But then once we separate them, then we got to look at ourselves. And are we givers or takers? Do we take every opportunity to give to someone? And, and, and sometimes it's just to hold the door for somebody, say it's a great day. Wow, you're doing a good job there. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, what can I do to help? Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it goes back to my late great friend and mentor, Coach Wooden. And he said, in every situation, in every task, in every encounter, ask yourself one question. What would I do right now if I was amazing? And so many times it doesn't take any more effort and energy to be amazing than before. Um, I travel a ridiculous number of miles with, I have two million miles with one airline, and they send you these little coupons you, you can give out to flight attendants or staff or gate agents when they're doing a good job. And they just give them to you and say, when you catch one of our people doing a good job, hand them one. So I asked a flight attendant, well, I gave her one. I said, man, you're doing a great job. And I handed her that. I said, would you mind telling me, what does that mean to you? I mean, what do you get out of that? And she said, I turn this in and I'll get you know, like preferential routes next month. I'll get days off. I get a bonus. I get all this stuff. And I said, well, you must get a lot of those. She said, most people never hand them out. She said, we had a statistic that 92% of those people don't even hand out. They give them to you, Mike. Wow. And all you got to do is just, you know, they go in my travel wallet that I take with me. And it's just so easy. I mean, I'm looking for great opportunities to lay one of these on somebody. How, how often can you help somebody like that and it doesn't cost you anything? And I'm thinking 92% of people don't even bother to do it. I, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me as well. I'm stunned, but I, it brings up a real, really good point. Everything you said there, if you focus on being a giver, if you hold the door, give a compliment, or try and add something to whatever conversation or situation you're in, I guarantee you it will be coming back to you. If you're a taker, those opportunities are not going to be there. Jim's column this week is excellent. It's uh, about givers and takers, and there might be some hard truths in there if you read it, but I suggest you do it because things get better after you pay attention. His uh, name is Jim Stovall, just like the webpage, jimstovall.com. Go there, sign up. It shows up in your inbox, and it's free. My friend, thank you so much for today. Thank you, and I look forward to next week. 